if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we are rolling on this Tuesday, the 12th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2021. Coming up in an hour, Peter Kirsten and I will be with us to talk about, well, everything. Everything from the Capitol Hill riots to the uh, new impeachment articles introduced against the President of the United States to the future of this country with an all-democratic government. What hope do we have? The answer is we do have hope. And again, I'll talk about it with Peter. I'll give you a little bit of a hint uh, of it coming up in a little bit later in audio this morning. But we do have hope. And if you were with me in attendance at my speech at McFan on uh, Saturday, you know what I said. Uh, and I've got good news for you and for me and for all of us. There, there are some signs that what I said was correct. There is an opportunity for us to hold or tread water, hold our place and tread water for two years until we have another crack at the election cycle, until we have a chance to win the House of Representatives back and take uh, a giant bite out of the long-term plans of the socialists who have been infiltrating our government. And that's literally what it is, what they are, what they have been doing. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We have a lot of uh, room to talk about that. But I want to start this morning. Uh, and also to open up the phone lines to you, the first hour is the best hour to talk to me because I do have Peter coming up in hour number two. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. I want to start this morning by letting you know that the fight continues. The fight continues, and I use that very carefully, of course, because now, uh, you know, when you say fight according to the new normal in mainstream media and online media and in leftist politics, if you say we have to fight, stand up and fight, which used to be understood to be a figurative term and not a literal term that means throwing hands, punching people, smashing things. When you say stand up and fight, it used to be, ah, we got to fight for our rights. And that was okay. But now when you say we have to stand up and fight, for our rights or whatever, uh, now you run the risk of being called someone who is inciting violence. So we have to be very careful about that. Um, I was very disappointed to hear President Trump yesterday or to learn President Trump yesterday back down to some extent, back down to a degree. 
the headline that got me was Trump acknowledged he bears some blame for Capitol riot in conversation with McCarthy. I am fearful of two things in that regard. One is that the left-wing mob can flip anyone. They can change anyone. They can uh, intimidate and force just about anyone to say anything to avoid the wrath. Um, that's number one. Number two, I fear that the president is capitulating and making statements like this in an attempt to hold off the impeachment. The impeachment, of course, was announced yesterday. The articles were introduced. They want to skip committee and presentation of evidence and go right to a House floor vote and say, here's the evidence. Look at the videotape from January 6th, last Wednesday. That's all you need to know. Trump caused that, ergo, he must be impeached. That's what they're going to try to do. And I fear like fear that President Trump is essentially saying, okay, I'll admit some blame here if you guys will just call off the dogs. Mr. President, they will never call off the dogs. Nancy Pelosi has dreamed about removing you from power before your term is up, from really the, the moment you were elected, and maybe even prior to that, in 2016 she's not going to let up she will continue to do this because it's not just about impeaching you now it is about making you ineligible for political uh uh uh, campaigns in the future you cannot run again so i was very disappointed president trump acknowledged he bears some blame for capital riot in conversation with mccarthy according to sources now this is fox news reporting um that kevin mccarthy uh, the House Minority Leader spoke with President Trump, and McCarthy, according to the sources, relayed the president's sentiment on a call yesterday with the House GOP conference. McCarthy agreed that Trump bore blame for the unrest, which sent Congress into lockdown as they tried to certify the results of the 2020 election. The White House did not immediately respond to comment or request for comment. The riot, of course, left five people dead, including one Capitol Police officer. During the president's remarks at the speech, he renewed pressure on Vice President Pence, claiming that he should decertify the results of the election and send it back to the states, claiming that if he did that, the states would assert that President Trump is going to be remain president for four more years. There is nothing in his pressuring of Mike Pence whatsoever and i have been pouring over the transcript of his speech looking for something that can be construed even in a in a in a long stretch as being uh suggesting much less calling for violence or calling for a siege of the capital um nothing he said about mike pence can be construed in such a way nothing whatsoever Claiming that the election was stolen and we won by a large margin. It was a landslide. Even I know that. Even the other side knows that. Also, is not an incitement to violence. It is to fire up a crowd so that they would go down to the the, uh, Capitol building and stand outside and do exactly what he said. He did say literal words. Cheer on our brave senators challenging the certification of the election. Cheer them on. Use your voices. Do so peacefully and patriotically. He said this multiple times. So why would President Trump now admit some role or some culpability, some responsibility in the riot that took place after? 
And the answer can only be that he is trying to hold off the impeachment, trying to get them to say, okay, there's no need for this. He is uh, giving them mea, mea culpa. He's gone in seven days, um, or eight days now. Uh, let's just let it be. Let it get done. And I think the president is severely underestimating the disdain and the hatred that Nancy Pelosi and the far left has for him. The article of impeachment read yesterday by House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer said they would meet today, right now, 9 a.m. They started, this, uh, or excuse me, 9 a.m. tomorrow, beg your pardon, Wednesday, 9 a.m. Wednesday, to consider the article. And it reads, quote, In his conduct while President of the United States and in violation of his constitutional oath faithfully to execute the office of the President of the United States and to the best of his ability preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution and in violation of his constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed, Donald John Trump engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors by inciting violence against the government of the United States, end quote. That's in the article of impeachment. It is simply repugnant. And let me go back to what I said at the top of the segment. When I said the fight continues, and I have to be careful when I say the fight continues, because now apparently fighting for your rights means you are inciting violence. The article of impeachment that I just quoted for you goes on to claim that before the joint session on Wednesday, January 6th, The president addressed a crowd in Washington where he reiterated false claims that we won this election and we won it by a landslide and willfully made statements that in context encouraged and foreseeably resulted in lawless action at the Capitol. What line in that speech that I have just, as I said, I have read again and again, what line are they using to say that Donald Trump committed an impeachable offense of inciting violence? Quote, If you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. End quote. That's it. That's that's what they're going to hang a second impeachment around the neck of Donald J. Trump over. If you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. People have been using fight for your rights Fight for the country. Fight for what is just. Fight the enemy it, it, as a as a as a euphemism or as a as a term that means you have to try your hardest. Do what we can do. Never, never did President Trump say use the word fight in the physical sense. Go and punch, strike, smash, stomp, trample. Siege, lay siege to the Capitol building. They are trying to impeach Trump over if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have country anymore. And they're going to use that line from the speech and say, see, that line indicates that he wanted people to go and fight. And they're going to ignore the line in that speech in which he said very directly what he wanted people to do. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. How did you want them to make their voices heard, Mr. President? Peacefully and patriotically. Are you sure about that? Are you sure you didn't want them to go in their fists a-flying and windows a-smashing? How did you want them to make their voices heard, sir? Peacefully and patriotically. I mean, honestly, this is what the impeachment is over? 
you've got to fight like hell for your country. You won't have a country anymore. He's been talking like that for four years. So have I. We said we got to fight like hell when they were trying to uh, uh, to uh, um, remove him from office via the Mueller investigation, the witch hunt, the Russian collusion story. We said we got to fight like hell against this nonsense. I've said it. Every person who is a host on Salem has said it. Donald Trump has said it. Republicans and conservatives have said it. And guess what? On the other side, do you know what they've been saying for four years? We've got to fight like hell to get rid of Donald Trump. When they use the words fight, or the word fight, it is meant, uh, it is taken as it's meant, which is, does not mean physically. It does not mean, you know, fisticuffs. It means we have to use every available resource that we have to win this debate, to win this fight. There are many fights. So, this is this is where we are. People are being deplatformed because of fight. People are being canceled because they support a president who said, you've got to fight for the country. People are, are losing their jobs. Parlor, the smartphone slash online application preferred by conservatives because of their commitment to free speech and not censoring every thought as being offensive or declaring everything is being fake news if it makes the Democrats look bad. Parler, a company that was headed toward a valuation of over a billion dollars based on its growth, was completely shut down by not only the phone companies that carry the apps, talking about Apple and uh, Google, because they are the ones who own iPhone and Android, respectively, They were taken off of just the Internet, period. You can't pull them up on a computer anymore. Not on a laptop, not on a desktop, not on a PC, not on a tablet, anywhere. Because Amazon, which provides the largest servers in the world to uh, to, uh, Internet companies that need to have their, their platforms hosted, Amazon and Jeff Bezos booted Parler from the Internet entirely. A billion dollar company wiped out. Wiped out with the ready and willing compliance of that company's competitors. Twitter and Facebook celebrated and cheered when Parler, which was growing by leaps and bounds and was a genuine threat to Twitter's ability to dominate the market in social media, they celebrated this. It's unbelievable. All right, it's 921. I've got a lot of ground to cover, and I do welcome you at 216 The fight continues. Oh, my gosh. Did he really say the fight continues? Arrest that man. On AM 1420, the answer. The Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys are in some serious trouble too. Okay, nine twenty-five. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I want to share something with you real quick before I go to the phones, or do I want to wait until after the bottom of the hour and share that with you? Yeah, let me get the phone callers in now. I 
Uh, a little tease ahead then. Um, on Saturday, looking back and then teasing ahead, on Saturday I spoke uh, to the Medina County Friends and Neighbors crew out in uh, Medina, and um, I talked about, because people are desperate, what do we do, Bob, what do we do, what do we do? And I talked about how we can tread water, how we can navigate our way through the next two years before we have another crack at the election cycle, particularly in the House where we were extraordinarily successful this election cycle, right? And I talked about just needing one reasonable Democrat who's not a far-left nut. One reasonable Democrat that we can work with, that we can talk to, that we can listen to, and that we can find common ground with. And that reasonable Democrat might be a man who describes himself as a conservative Democrat. Joe Manchin in West Virginia. And indeed, Joe Manchin is speaking about his role as a conservative Democrat and his ability to work with both his majority and the minority. It's it's exciting. It's inspiring. It brings hope. It really does. Because it's what I talked about on Saturday, and now, literally this morning, I have audio here of him talking about that role and how big this could be in staving off the most radical socialist legislation that the Democrats might try to ram through. But they will need all 50 of their votes in the Senate and then Kamala Harris to break a tie in order to make that happen. So this is big. Uh, and I'll share that audio with you after the bottom of the hour news. For now, we'll go to Chuck, who is in uh, North Ridgeville, I believe. Chuck, you're on AM 1420. The answer, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for letting me on. Uh, yes, I sir. was there last last uh, week, and I'm telling you, you couldn't tell how many people were there, and I still don't know anybody who has a count, or I haven't seen an aerial photo, but I can't imagine a crowd that big that was so nice. We all had flags. We were hitting each other in the face with them. No, everybody said no problem. I mean, it was the nicest, kindest group of people. No garbage. Uh, no foul mouths. Uh, there were families there. I mean, it was just a beautiful thing. And I was filming this whole thing. And I, uh, as I got up to the Capitol, uh, and people were just coming off. There were so many people that were they were pouring onto Second Street. And I was looking at all the people climbing up on the uh, south side of the Capitol there, and that kept filling in. More and more people got up there, and I was just getting relayed stories back. Oh, some people got in and all this. Now, there's no doubt that there were troublemakers hired to be there, but I didn't see anything. Uh, it was just an incredible. Here's, here's the thing that's frustrating energy. to me, Chuck. As I as yeah. I jump in, because I'm, I'm going to and thank you so much for your call. I want to respond to what you say, and they get another call before the bottom. Here's the thing that's frustrating to me: what you just described, and what other people who I have talked to who were there have described, is exactly what CNN described about the um, uh, the uh, Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland riots. Um, Dishonestly, they described those violent, violent, arson-ridden, smashing, uh, you know, looting uh, episodes all summer long as being mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful, but just a few people set a city on fire. They lied about that. But in D.C., what you just described is exactly what that was. A mostly peaceful and, in fact, almost exclusively peaceful demonstration of Trump supporters gathered together hugging one another, saluting one another, raising flags with one another, 
and just supporting the president and calling for you know uh, uh, de- not, uh, the decertification of the election until an inv- in independent council can be not an independent council but an independent commission can be uh, put together for ten days to investigate the allegations of fraud. You're talking hundreds of thousands of people there who were peaceful, as as the the caller just said. And I'm not going to get to the other call here. We'll go uh, after the bottom of the hour news. I'll have that for you. But he he's. He, Everything that he just said was true of 99 point, probably 5% of the people in that crowd. It only took a few hundred people to storm the Capitol, smash windows, and go inside for all of that to be declared a violent mob. This is what CNN should have described as a mostly peaceful demonstration uh, uh, in support of President Trump that was marred by a few hundred people who took things way too far and broke the law and should be held accountable. Absolutely should be unaccountable. I will not waver from that. But this is what the definition of a truly mostly peaceful protest was that devolved into a very bad action by very few people in a massive, massive crowd. CNN, you like to stand in front of, and MSNBC like to stand in front of burning buildings and say it's mostly a peaceful protest here as the city is on fire. By the way, they did that in Washington, D.C. Irony of all ironies. They did that in Washington when Washington burned. We've all seen those aerial photos. Massive attacks on our nation's capital. Massive attacks. Arson, looting, all the whole nine yards. And the MSNBC and the leftist media stood there and said, no, this is mostly peaceful out here. Now we get a few hundred people in a crowd of hundreds of thousands smashing into the capital, and they want to act like this is the end of humanity and civilization. We'll be right back. of Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 937, we continue. I want to get more phone calls in, but I also want to get to the audio I talked about here very quickly. It's not terribly long at all. But on uh, Saturday, I told the crowd when people are saying, what do we do? We lost Georgia. We lost the White House. We didn't lose it, but it was taken from us. But you get the story. So we're going to have uh, Democrats in the White House, Democrats running the Senate, Democrats running the uh, the House. What do we do? What do we do? And I talked about, well, not every Democrat in the Senate is a far-left socialist like Kamala Harris was, and now taking her socialist talents to the VP chair. Not every Democrat in the Senate is a an avowed uh, Democratic social, Democrat socialist like Bernie Sanders. Some of them are reasonable. And I specifically pointed to uh, Joe Manchin. And I talked about this some yesterday in the program, too. So apologies for the redundancy. But listen, you know, I, you know how many times we had extraordinarily crucial votes in the Senate in the course, over the course of the last four years, really the last two years especially? And we talked about, well, we need Murkowski to go along with this because one flip or two flips Susan Collins in Maine, Mitt Romney in Utah, one or two of those dangerously centrist uh, Republicans going with the Democrats would, you know, would would be the, you know, the the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench, the chink in the armor. We got a problem, right? Well, that's now the Democrat situation. They have a majority, but it's as slim as slim can be. It's 50-50 with the tiebreaker going to Kamala Harris. They can't afford to lose one person, including a responsible, respectful centrist a democratic centrist like joe manchin and joe manchin knows this 
and he was talking about it uh, on Fox News. Uh, I believe he was talking to Brett Baer. Listen to Joe Manchin talk about his role and whether or not if he plays the role of centrist and actually sides against Democrats in some capacity, whether or not he would even be welcome as a member of the Democrat Party. Just listen. This is, I think this is the kind of inspiring we need. The Senate was intended to work. The founding fathers, Washington, Madison, Jefferson, this was the intent of the Senate. Work where the minority has input. I've been in the minority, and we've had very little input, and I intend to work with my minority partners to have input, for them to have input. If the pressure, Senator, was too great uh, from Democrats on that front, (laughs) would you become an independent? You mean if uh, I don't don't think the Democrats will throw me out, do you think? I'm not sure. I mean, where are they going to throw? I'm a good old West Virginia conservative Democrat. There's not a whole... I understand that, Brett. But I'm still a proud West Virginia Democrat who loves my proud West Virginia Republicans. We get along. Or at least we used to. I hope they don't push us apart. But I intend to stay where I'm at. I can work. I'm very comfortable. And, and we'll just have to see what, what happens. But I'm, the pressure doesn't, I mean, I'm too old to be pressured. Uh, my goodness, what are they going to do to me? <laughs> So Joe Manchin calls himself a conservative Democrat who's proud of his relationship with West Virginia Republicans. He's not going to go with the most radical uh, legislation that the Democrats can offer that comes over to the Senate from the House. He's just not. That doesn't mean he's going to vote with the Republicans 100% of the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting we have another Republican ally in the Senate, but I'm saying Joe Manchin is not so far left that he is automatically counted as a check mark, a rubber stamp for all of the, you know, Green New Deal, um, you know, abolish the electoral college, pack the courts, all of those, all of those things. He's not that. He's somebody we can put at least a little bit of hope in, as I said, as we try to tread water by stopping the most radical legislation for two years. And in, you know, as, as we've talked about in recent history as well. In 2008, Barack Obama came in by the midterm election in 2010. We had a Tea Party just wave take over the Congress because they knew how radical Barack Obama was. In 2016, obviously President Trump was elected, and then by 2018, here come the Democrats. Guess what? In 2020, here's Joe Biden taking over and Kamala Harris. By 2022, you better expect that red wave that already started in the Congress in the uh, you know uh, House races uh, in this election to continue and to sweep the Republicans into congressional power if we play our cards right. Uh, one other example of Manchin, real quick. Joe Manchin asked uh, by Brett Baer about the House impeachment effort uh, that was uh, begun yesterday as Nancy Pelosi et al. Uh, continue to try to uh, destroy Donald Trump's legacy and potentially stop his future campaigning if he decides he wants to run again. Uh, this is what Joe Manchin said about the impeachment. I think the House should know that also. We've been trying to um, send that message over. They know the votes aren't there. You would think that they would do that. I think this is so ill-advised for Joe Biden to be coming in trying to heal the country, trying to be the president of all the people when we're going to be so divided and fighting again. Uh, let, the, let the judicial system do its job, Brett. And then, you know, uh, we're, we're a country of the rule of law. That's the bedrock of who we are. Uh, let that take its place. Let the uh, investigations go on. Let the evidence come forth, and then we'll go forth from there. There is no rush to do this, uh, um, this impeachment now. 
There's no rush to do this impeachment, Joe Manchin said, and quite frankly, there's no reason to do this impeachment. And I think that's something, again, as he toes that line of centrism between, you know, his uh, far left colleagues and his, you know, Republican supporters that he still has, conservative supporters in West Virginia, he's got to toe that line. He's basically saying, I don't support impeachment, but he can't just say uh, Donald Trump didn't do anything impeachable. He's got to toe that line. And that's what we're going to deal with for the next two years. Prepare for it. Okay. All right, let's go back to it. Uh, This is going to be Matt in Lorraine. Matt, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Hey, Bob, I was reading an article yesterday. It was talking about the the whole thing with Parler and how in two cities, I believe one was Spokane, Washington, they Mm -hmm. got so fed up with the bullying and, and the cancel culture from Facebook and Twitter that people were calling their local ISPs and saying, we're, we're tired of this stuff with Facebook and Twitter and their censorship. We don't want them even made available through this ISP. And the ISPs agreed that the censorship had to stop. So in order to receive Facebook and Twitter to be able to bring them up through your ISP, you had to call the ISP and specifically request it. Otherwise, they were just banned. I had not seen that story, um, but it's very interesting that there is a pushback against the censorship of the from those giant companies. I feel like it's going to take more, though, Matt, and thanks for the phone call, than public pressure to do this. Um, I think it's going to take legal action. And that is something that is being considered right now. I can tell you that. Devin Nunez, the uh, Republican representative from California, who's the ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, is calling on the DOJ to launch an investigation uh, uh, into antitrust violations. He said there are clear antitrust laws as well as civil rights laws, and he even brought up RICO. RICO, Racketeer Influenced and Corruption Organizations. This is a RICO violation. That Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, Jeff Bezos, CEO of um, of um, uh, Amazon, and uh, a Pichar, Pichar, whatever his name is, uh, uh, from uh, Google, they all combined their efforts to block and ban and censor Parler, which is a free speech, conservative preferred uh, service, as we all know. That is um, a RICO violation. These are multiple people conspiring from their own organizations to commit a crime. And that crime is is very, very serious. It is complete. It is establishing a monopoly, illegally and unfairly, eliminating the competition by using you know the, the servers that Amazon provides and the app stores provided by the two, um, uh, the, uh, two uh, smartphone companies. Uh, that is an absolute violation, and I hope it's really looked into. I hope Nunez is right, and I hope it's something that a Department of Justice... Now, will the Department of Justice under Joe Biden, the one headed up by Merrick Garland, be willing to do this? I don't know, but it wouldn't stop investigations from being conducted. Uh, Nunez said, this is a billion-dollar company parlor, and then poof, it's gone. You can't do that to investors and owners and, quite frankly, free people in America uh, because the... The competition wanted to eliminate them, and that's exactly what they've done. 
There's the financial aspect of it. There's two things here. There's the financial aspect of this, and there is the uh, First Amendment aspect of this. Right now, Republicans and conservatives have no way to communicate and unify with one another. If they try to do so on Facebook, they're banned. Brandon Straka, uh, his walkaway campaign, which was uh, you know a page that had uh, hundreds of thousands of followers on, on Facebook, eliminated, gone. So if you try to communicate and organize with other conservatives around the country, on Facebook, you will be ban- you will be blocked, banned, suspended, whatever. Twitter has been doing that for years. Same story. So people went to Parler. President Trump was banned by Twitter and Facebook. Went to Parler. Now they eliminated Parler from existence, not even on servers. So there are clear First Amendment violations, and then there are antitrust violations here, as they have used their power to control the marketplace and essentially eliminate uh, challenging opportunities. I want to read real, real super fast here, just because this was worded so uh, uh, perfectly by Daniel Horowitz, who's going to come on with us later this week. Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review, uh, talking about this, described what is being done to, um, uh, to parlor this way. Imagine a 250-pound boxer being so petrified of a 100-pound woman that he had to get his entire motorcycle gang and the local police department to hold her down while she was unarmed so he could beat her. If you're having trouble conjuring up such an image, then you likely don't realize what's happening to conservatives today. One would think that with control of nearly every single government agency, regardless of who is president, Media, academia, corporate America, big tech, big science, big pharma, and every platform and venue of information flow across the entire Internet. Leftists wouldn't feel threatened by the presence of some dissenting views, right? Knowing they have control of all of the above, they really wouldn't feel threatened by a little parlor coming down the line. If the landscape of information flow on politics between the right and the left were two sides of a battlefield... It would be the equivalent of the U.S. military fighting a Rwandan militia. So why does the left feel it must crush every last vestige of conservative news and analysis and debate on uh, even on the off-beaten path platforms? And again, that was written by Daniel Horowitz yesterday. I talked to Daniel. He's going to come on a little bit later this week. But that's exactly what this is. They own everything. They are the proverbial, the left, online, through Silicon Valley. They are the proverbial 250-pound boxer in a match against a 100-pound woman, and they still don't feel safe. They have to get their entire motorcycle gang and local police department to hold her down so that they, uh, they can beat on her uh, by, by themselves without any fear of getting punched back. It's a little bit of an ugly analogy, but his point is this is what the left is. They are a monolith. They are a giant. And they are terrified of any little tiny thing pushing back against them. It's disgusting. Uh, BJ's in North Olmsted. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I have something I'd to share with you briefly and, and to the public. Nancy Pelosi is a Catholic, and this Joe, uh, Joe Biden is also a Catholic. Both of them are pro-abortion. So when we concern ourselves about morality, there is no morality in the Democratic Party or the Socialist Party or whatever you want to call them. Donald Trump came out with a right to try, taking medication, even though it was questionable. These people are coming out with the right to die. Euthanasia is going to be introduced under this administration because the senior centers that are government-supported are too full. The VA 
where they have veterans in there are too full, and they're going to start giving people the way out. This is a party of death. They have no morality. To try to assume that there is morality, or even people connected with it, including Mr. Manson, I think he's going to have to leave. To be associated with a party of death, you cannot respect the Creator, you cannot respect your religion. There is, and this is more important than even the political side of it, they have given up any morality to take over this country and to take over this world. That's what the public has to become aware of. The political crap is irrelevant anymore. There is no Republican Party. The Republican Party is long gone and long last. They have lost their backbone. And the backbone is going to be out of office as soon as the president, Donald well, Trump. You know, BJ, thank you for, um, your time. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, the, the disturbing thing about what you just said, um, euthanasia and the quote-unquote right to die is coming from the party of death. The disturbing thing is the comparison to what President Trump championed, which is the right to try. And that was, that was you know, we, we all know what that means, the right to try, the right to use experimental, experimental medications, experimental uh, uh, procedures to try to save someone's life if there is no, no other alternative. If death is imminent, if death is happening, why not uh, get the right to try? And that is something Democrats opposed. So, I, you know, I, I am going to sit here and, and, and stand on the moral high ground. I don't care what people say about that. One party slash one movement, one ideology believes in the right to try to preserve life. The other believes in the right to die, to end as many lives as quickly before they become burdensome as they can. Thank you, BJ. Right back after this. Okay, it's 9.55. Let's get a couple of more phone calls in. Um, we'll go to TJ. Yeah, we haven't talked to TJ in a little bit. Hey, TJ in Cleveland, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, Bob, my beef this morning is Sherrod Brown. Now this dope is calling for Ted Cruz to resign. Ted Cruz has got more brains in his big toe than Sherrod Brown has in his whole body. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I still can't understand how this clown won re-election in a red state that predominantly went totally red the last two elections. How did he get re-elected? And then I'm watching what happened with Trump and the fraud and stuff in his two, uh, 2020 election. And I don't know, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. I wonder if Sherrod Brown did some fraud to, get, to win this re-election. How the hell can one of the most liberal senators in Washington, when in such a red state like Ohio, something smells real fishy to me with this, Bob. Well, here's the thing, uh, TJ, and thanks for the call, brother. Um, it's not a red state, okay? It is and it isn't. What I mean by that is, as you know, we do have a, a pretty strong vice-like grip on the state government with respect to uh, the the General Assembly. But this is also a state that voted for, you know, Ted Strickland. This is also a state that, I mean, the governorship or the gubernatorial office, whatever you want to call it, is kind of passed back and forth between Republicans and Democrats. So it's it's not a die in died in the wool red state. It's not you know Texas or Alabama or or something of the and Texas is in danger of becoming a purple state too because of all of the Californians moving to Texas. But I digress. Um, 
And, and this is also a state that voted twice for Barack Obama, right? I mean, it's not as red as it would appear um, when Ohio, you know, Ohio flips back and forth between the governor's office and the presidential races, depending on, uh, you know, who, who's up. Uh, you just don't know. So, you know, this, this, is, uh, this is a little bit more purple than you realize, and that's why Sherrod Brown has his base of support in this state in the same way that Rob Portman does. I'll be honest with you. I wonder how Rob Portman continues to draw as much support from Ohio Republicans as he does because he has been anything but a true friend of conservatives. Hey, I want to pivot for just a second, if I may. I want to share something with you that's extraordinarily important, and it ties to the uh, the riot and the assault on the Capitol building on uh, on Wednesday, last Wednesday. There is a video that is flying around online, and it is being called um, Trump's newest release. All right, Trump's newest video. It is extraordinarily dangerous. Why? Because it is a lie. All right, let me explain this to you. There is a video. If you see this anywhere, do not share it. And in fact, you need to delete it and denounce it. It's filled with old Donald Trump audio being repackaged as new, including his own voice talking about his own inauguration. Back in 2016 and then in January 20th of 2017, his own inauguration, he talks in this uh, in this thing about how uh, on January 20th, everything is going to change. It's filled with fiery rhetoric that says things like, um, uh, the time for, for words is gone. Now is the time for action. And then he says, on January 20th, we will take back our country. They're packaging old Trump audio as new and making it sound as though it's new Trump audio calling for violence at the inauguration next week on January 20th. It is beyond despicable. It is almost certainly something that has been put together by a leftist. It's really well produced. It's really well produced. It's about a three-minute-long video. And it's supposedly firing up Trump supporters to get to the Capitol or get to the, you know, yeah, the Capitol for the inauguration on January 20th and take your country back. It, it will be repurposed by the left wing media as being Trump's people trying to incite violence during the Biden inauguration. It's dangerous. It's illegal. It's dishonest. It's everything. So I'm asking my friends who are still online. In any social media capacity, if you see any video headlined Trump's latest message or Trump's newest message, it's on January 20th, these kinds of things, denounce it, report it, delete it, it's not real. Donald Trump did not release a video calling for action and not just words on January 20th as we take our country back. He did no such thing. It is a phony, manipulated video. Do not allow it to make all of us look bad and, more importantly, be blamed on Donald Trump himself because that's what the left will do. All right, just my word of caution for the day. It's 10 o'clock. Let's get news now. Let's talk to Kirsten on next.